This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Of all the TV shows that could be riding high in Netflix's top 10, why on earth is one of them Suits? Why is a long-running lawyer show that ended four years ago this summer's streaming sensation? Is it the ongoing strikes? Is it algorithms? Is it nostalgia for a different kind of television? Is it Meghan Markle? And how good actually is this show? I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're talking about Suits on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Joining me today is Ronald Young Jr. He is the host of the film and television review podcast, Leaving the Theater, and of the recently launched podcast, Wait For It. Hi, Ronald. Hello, Linda. And also with us is Kristen Meinzer. She co-hosts the podcast of The Daily Fail and is the co-author of How to Be Fine. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Linda. How are you? I am well. So Suits ran for nine seasons on the USA Network. It started in 2011, back when USA was running shows like Burn Notice and Psych and White Collar, a lot of kind of light dramas, usually a combination of some underlying long-running story, but also case of the week. The show kicks off when big-time lawyer Harvey Specter, played by Gabriel Macht, hires a new young associate, Mike Ross, played by Patrick J. Adams. What Harvey and Mike know, and nobody else does, is that Mike is a fake. He's just a self-taught law enthusiast with a remarkable memory who is so quick and so <laughs> resourceful that Harvey cannot resist hiring him. Harvey and Mike keep this a secret from the firm's managing partner, Jessica Pearson, played by Gina Torres, scheming partner, Louis Litt, played by Rick Hoffman, and especially whip-smart paralegal, Rachel Zane, played by future Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle. Harvey couldn't do any of what he does without his faithful assistant, Donna, played by Sarah Rafferty. Suits develops as a fairly typical lawyer show full of tough cases and challenging clients and high drama ensues over everything from misplaced documents to control over the firm itself. There is also a good bit of light comedy here and there. All nine seasons are available on Peacock. The first eight seasons are available on Netflix. And although numbers are always a little shaky when it comes to streaming, Suits apparently set a new Nielsen record for viewing of an acquired title, as opposed to an original title, across Netflix and Peacock. Now, I only came to Suits this summer. Ronald, I'm going to start by asking you, when did you arrive at the universe of Suits? I was watching Suits on Hulu original Hulu way back in the day when it came on the day after oh, it wow. aired on USA. Old Hulu. Yeah, right? I, I watched the entire first season like that. And that's what my introduction to Meghan Markle. And I remember at the time, you know, this was a long time ago being like, I'm in love with this actress. I'm not sure who mm -hmm. she is. And fast forward two to three years later, I'm like, she's everywhere. But at the time, I only watched one season. So when I saw that it came on Netflix, I remember thinking, oh, this will be great. I can catch up on the rest of Suits. And sure enough, it was great. It was the right thing to yeah. do. It was. I fell yeah. right back in step. <laughs> yeah. Kristen, how about you? What's your Suits history? Well, I have to confess, I had never watched Suits once in my life until it was on Netflix this July. Me neither, I don't think. Yeah. I think a lot of us are like us, Linda. 
out of just due diligence, because as you both know, one of my many hats is I'm a professional royal watcher. I was at Meghan and Harry's wedding. I've reported on, you know, Meghan in a lot of other ways, but I had never seen suits. So I thought, you know what? I better do this. But then I got so sucked in. The pilot is so snappy and so fun, and it has so many twists and turns, and the characters are so likable that before you know it, I had already watched like 20 plus episodes, and now I'm halfway through season four, and I just can't get enough of the show. It's so fun. Yeah. I think, Kristen, I came into this with this idea of like, I should watch this because everybody is suddenly talking about it. And so I felt like as a work thing, I'm going to watch it. I have some history of watching some of these kind of people refer to these as the blue skies era. It comes out of of something that one of the USA Network executives actually said one time was that they were kind of these upbeat light dramas, which is an era of USA that I didn't watch a lot of, but I watched some of. Monk was part of this era mm-hmm. a little bit earlier. Burn Notice. Burn Notice is, is one I did watch quite a bit of. So, but I had never watched this either. And I don't always love lawyer shows, interestingly enough. And I genuinely was surprised by how quickly, as you say, this kind of sucked me in. And I want to know, Ronald, for you, if you say, like, when I'm watching Suits, what am I here for? What's your big, like, I love this about Suits? It's complicated, but I I think, for me, there's a familiarity that comes with predictability in this show specifically. Knowing that everything's going to be okay and everyone's going to be all right. But it's really going to put me through my paces. It's going to make me ask how they're going to get there. Because like when I feel down or whatever, I know I can just drop it to this universe where these slick lawyers are out there doing the law, going back and forth. But everything's ultimately okay. And I don't know if something about that is just appealing to me in this moment right now. I don't know if I could put my finger on why everyone else, but I know for me personally, that feels comforting. Ronald, I have a spoiler for you. You said you never know how this situation is going to be fixed, but it will The answer is blackmail every single episode. (laughs) It is backstabbing. It is sabotage. It is settling this case out of court so judges will not be involved. But invariably, it's always like, find out what dirt you can on so-and-so. And And then somebody else is like, oh, no, they found this dirt on me. And so that's kind of what the show is. But for me personally, that's part of the joy of it because the show could just be called backstabbers instead of suits. So you're going to perjure yourself just to win this case? No, I'm not going to perjure myself. Even if I were, it wouldn't be just to win this case. It'd be to get your ass thrown in jail. See, you have power of attorney, and you're going to accept this settlement. Two million dollars a plaintiff. You're going to take it. Another thing I really love about the show personally is it's just so sexy. Like, Gabriel mocked. Hot. He... Is so hot. I want him to subpoena me. I am ready for some mergers and acquisitions with him. He oh, is no. hot, hot, hot. <laughs> Everybody's outfits are so sexy. Like, they're like not work appropriate, but still work on the show. Like Jessica, you yes. know, the, the, oh, the managing partner of the firm, her skin tight pencil skirts with ruching down the back seam or the cutout tops that Meghan Markle wears. I'm pretty sure Jessica wears a top at one point with an open back. And I was like, that does not seem likely for a law office, but she looks amazing. Oh my God, such a sexy show. (laughs) Yeah. And I do like the fact that you have these kind of shifting allegiances where nobody is entirely trustworthy, obviously. So one of the things that I did find is that as the show goes on, 
they do kind of recycle ideas, Mm -hmm. one of which is control of the firm, because there's this whole thing that happens where the guy who used to be the managing partner who had been away comes back. He's very, very like weaselly. And he and Jessica have this long kind of protracted battle for the control of the firm. Then they have like another one. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) it's sort of constantly who's going to be in charge of the law firm is probably the part that I care about the least. But I do really like I am such a sucker for like a a slow burn rom-com element in a show like this. And I think this kind of Mike and Rachel, you know, they really like each other. They're clearly into each other. But at the same time, because he's kind of living a lie, you know, he doesn't feel like he should get involved with her, but he really wants to get involved with her. And obviously she doesn't know why he won't. I've given dozens of these and without fail, whatever new hot shot it is, thinks that because I'm just a paralegal, that I will somehow be blown away by his dazzling degree. Let me assure you, I won't. I was. Mm-hmm. I was hitting on you. You were. Take notes. I'm not going to repeat myself. I love you. So I really binged the first, like, two seasons of this show. I did find that then I sort of eased up on it a little bit. I think at that point I started to feel like, okay, I I have maybe seen what they have on offer in terms of the, you know, control of the law firm. The romance element had sort of settled itself out for the time being. Um, And I felt like, okay, this is a time when I can slow down my intake of suits. But I'll tell you, those first two seasons, boy, they really... They really go fast. But Linda, you are missing out if you stop after two seasons on Lewis Litt becoming the most likable character on the show. You know, he's a very interesting guy. Tell me about that. You know, the way he starts out, guns a-blazing with a chip on his shoulder, an inferiority complex. He's essentially a bully. But as the show continues, by season three, season four... We start to see he actually has way more heart than everybody else on the show because most people on the show are kind of monsters. But Mm -hmm. he actually has heart, and he also is very funny, and he has some of the best lines, and he's the most compassionate in certain situations. So that was really part of what kept me going back to the show again and again after those first two very snappy seasons. And I also have to give it to the character Donna, who is the personal assistant to Harvey. We get to see more and more of her humanity and her wit. And she's always the smartest person in the room. And we get to see more and more of that as the show goes along. So any scene with Donna and Louis Litt keeps me coming back again. I think there's always been a way that USA generally gets characters well. They used to have their motto was characters welcome on USA. That was like their whole Mm -hmm. thing. Like, we do characters well. And in terms of character development, this show is doing that very well. It's basically taking characters that we know very well based on the little bit that they peel back over and over again and the exposition that they kind of throw at us. Now, I will say... There have been times when I've watched Harvey and Jessica specifically, and I've been like, these two people are flat out abusive. If there was an HBO version of this show, they are antagonists. (laughs) Yeah. There's no like weight around them. That being said, if you look at the spectrum of morality, if you look at like who's probably most moral, I would agree. I think in the middle, there's going to be like Mike and Rachel and Donna, and then like just on the bubble, I would say, is going to be Lewis, only because Lewis's emotions will wildly throw him off track. Mm-hmm. Like, that becomes a bit of the plot where it's just like, if he's upset with you, he then turns into Harvey and Jessica uh, until someone tells him that he's being Harvey and Jessica. And he's like, oh, I don't want to be Harvey and Jessica. Right. I'm nice again. You right. know what I mean? Yes. But I really like that it's taking us through those paces and really, like, making us get to know these characters in a way that I just don't think it happens like this anymore. 
Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to ask both of you is it's all speculation when you're trying to get into why do other people like something as opposed to why do you like something. But I'm wondering how much of the phenomenon of this show has to do with the fact that it reminds me of television, (laughs) by which I mean it feels like the familiar kind of television that I watched a long time ago in the positive ways and not just in, you know, I think when we got into like the HBO shows and the shorter seasons and the kind of super intense serialized plotting and everything was people getting murdered and all that stuff. I think like something, there is something I miss about things that are a little bit more digestible in a, in a slightly easier mm. way. It reminds me a little bit of how much I enjoyed The Night Agent, which was also, which was a Netflix show, um, <laughs> you know, made by Sean Ryan, who made The Shield and some other stuff. But The Night Agent is a really, like, what I loved about watching that show is, like, I just felt like I was in good hands in terms of, like, this is television made by people who understand how to make television. They understand how to make properly shaped episodes of TV that have a satisfying shape to the episode and not just the whole season. It's not one of these, I'm trying to write a 13-chapter novel and all that stuff. It's the kind of like, no, when I watch an episode of this show, it should be a satisfying episode. Do you know what I mean? I think you nailed it, though. When you talked about it being like kind of like original television, I, I guess I'm tired of turning on a Netflix show and seeing that there's 13 episodes. And when I start with episode one, I'm so frustrated by the mystery. I'm like, I got to stay for this for 13 episodes. No, thank you. Whereas when you're talking about this, we get a beginning, middle and end with every episode. There's plots and subplots happening and a main plot happening that will keep me pressing play for the next episode. I I don't know. That kind of made me excited to say like, well, just pull the whole USA from that era catalog onto Netflix and I'll watch them all like Royal Pains, Burn Notice, all of them because they all kind of do that. And, can we ever get back into that era of television? Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely something to be said for, quote, non-prestige TV. The shows that are not slow and dark and moody and you have to go through three episodes of setup before you actually get to what the show is about. There's something to be said for just, this is fun. And it has a lot of silly pop culture references that maybe if you love pop culture make you feel a little bit smart, even if it's not that smart that two men are quoting beaches back and forth to each other like they do (laughs) on on Suits. It's not trying to be highbrow. This is not a show you watch and think like, how many Emmys is it going to get? You're watching the show and and just having a good time. And there's something to be said for just having fun. Yeah, I think that. And I also think like there's something to be said for watching a show that you know has nine seasons sitting there, even if you're not going to watch all nine seasons. Because Mm -hmm. I have gotten very frustrated by, I've sometimes referred to this as the chump test, which is when I'm done watching as much of that show as there is, do I feel like a chump because they're leaving me in a place (laughs) where if there's not any more of this show, I'm going to feel very silly for having spent time on it. Because so often they're like, well, we're not really going to resolve this mystery. We're really going to kind of like give you like a mini resolution, but really we're going to stretch it out because we want to make more. Now, it's possible to do that well. It's certainly possible to do television where you could continue or you could not continue. But there are definitely shows where I am hesitant to get into them because the future of the show is so up in the air. Mm -hmm. It's like a semicolon and you don't know whether they're ever going to finish the sentence. And sometimes Mm. it makes me feel like a chump. 
I think that's a great analysis of what the chump test is, but it also, I think you were kind of throwing shots at some of the, some of the hits of the last few years, which <laughs> I, we don't have to go through a list. Whereas like for once we finally just get to sit down, watch a show and feel good. And then the other part about it is this is a show that you can watch with your grandmother and your kids. Like most of the things that you see on here is not going to get so incredibly graphic that anyone's going to feel squeamish. You know what I mean? Uh, there's enough implied there that it still feels like an adult show. You know what I mean? And there's some swearing and there's some pretty sad sexy sex at certain points. But yeah, I mean, I think thematically, it's generally pretty easy going down, I guess I would say. I guess I wouldn't watch it with my young kids. It's very PG or PG-13. Yeah, Yeah. PG-13 probably. Yeah, 13. Yeah, 13. (laughs) I also want to ask, how much do you think this has to do with... The SAG after and WGA strikes going on right now are not have not necessarily knocked out the idea of there being new things to watch quite yet. I think it's a little more of a concern as time goes on. But I'm wondering how much in the future do you think that people will continue, as some people did during COVID, actually, to look for kind of what's a show I've always meant to catch up on that I didn't ever watch. Oh, here's a thing that can be my kind of watchable background show because like i agree with you ronald i think they could put you know one of my friends was like after you watch this watch white collar it's the same thing (laughs) (laughs) and like i i i would i would do that do you guys feel like you might be open to exploring more library content as things go on i think this did open my mind to that i mean these shows on usa on all of the cable networks that were not the quote prestige cable networks. These are shows I just never watched. And now I'm thinking maybe I missed out and maybe this is a great time to check out some of these shows if they become available on Netflix. Yes, I I will watch more of them. Uh, If they're all this fun, why not? I agree. I think the only thing I would say is like the business strategy kind of makes me a little squeamish only because if they're going to start mining these old shows, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it, it feels unethical if people aren't getting paid for them, you know what I mean? Or paid properly for right. them, especially in a place where there's no more new content right. and they know we're going to watch it. You know, like if right. you pull the sci-fi original programming onto Netflix, I'm going to watch yeah. it. Warehouse 13, <laughs> I've been looking for it. I'm ready. You know what I mean? The Suits writers have <laughs> definitely talked publicly, some of them, about how minimal the payoff has been for them because the residual situation with streaming is so modest, I guess I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things they're trying to change. So it's definitely one of the challenges is like, if you're trying to, you know, consume content ethically, you know, I think Ronald makes a good point. I want to ask you one more thing, Kristen, which is how much of this do you think is a a Meghan Markle thing? What is your sense of the Meghan Markle of this? I think a lot of it is. I mean, I overheard in my doctor's office last week staff members talking about suits just because they were curious about Meghan Markle. I do think there's genuine curiosity about Duchess Meghan. What was she like before? Not everybody knows her entire acting overall. I mean, I will confess as somebody who loves made-for-television romances, I did see When Sparks Fly, her 4th of July made-for-TV romance, I did see The Dater's Handbook. Mm -hmm. So I I have actually seen Meghan Markle's romance movies before, but I don't think a lot of people have. And I think that there were still lots of people who still hadn't seen Suits who were curious about it. So I think the Meghan Markle effect is real. And I think a lot of people were like me, like, well, I'll check this out, you know, and then got sucked in. Yeah. I mean, I was curious about the fact that, like, I had seen 
the, a couple of those romances, as you said, and I had thought she was cute in them. You know, you get significantly more range from her. Oh, yes. And you Absolutely. do get a better sense of her, that she is a charismatic actor. And I think it's interesting to sort of have people who think of her exclusively through the lens of her marriage and her family stuff and kind of all the publicity around that. And to be able to say, like, no, she was like a legit, like, good, charismatic TV actress. I mean, I think she's good enough that I was sitting there watching and thinking, you know, she could go back to this if she wanted to. Like, I think if you're looking for something to do, because it seems like they seem to be looking for something to do often. And I'm just like, just go back to acting. Like, I'd watch you on something new. Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the world would love to see that. The Megan effect is real. Anytime she shows up anywhere in a documentary, yeah. in an article in the tabloids, anywhere, people click on it. So I think people would definitely watch if she were going to be in a reboot of Suits or any other acting gig. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, tell us what you think about Suits. I know a lot of you are watching it. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH. Up next, what's making us happy this week? This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This message comes from NPR sponsor Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Caitlin, a teen reeling from her parents' divorce, steals a valuable bird in order to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner that leads her to a new outlook on life. Don't miss Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Rated PG 13. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. With NPR Plus, you get bonus content from behind the scenes of your favorite shows, like the NPR Politics Podcast. A friend of mine who worked at the Associated Press came into the courtroom and said, Step to it, Michael Cohen has flipped on Trump. And with NPR Plus, you'll be supporting public media. Learn more at plus.npr.org. Now it's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week. What's making us happy this week? Ronald Young Jr., what is making you happy this week? A little three-part docuseries on Max entitled Telemarketers. Oh, yeah. Telemarketers. <laughs> and I know Linda and I have talked a little bit about this, but Telemarketers is a show about this group in New Jersey called Civic Development Group that essentially is part of the origin story of telemarketing as we know it today. There's this, this kind of a group of guys there that start filming themselves working at this telemarketing company, and all of these antics are going on. They have a lot of ex-criminals working there, making calls, and they're working with these different police organizations in order to raise money. And it's kind of revealed that it's a scam over time. But this documentary really is also talking about the relationship between two of the people who used to work at Civic Development Group, Patrick J. Pespis and Sam Lipman Stern. So it's very good, uh, very fun. It gets dark at times. I think it comes to a pretty satisfying, if not expected, conclusion. But don't go into this looking to see telemarketing be solved because that's not what their goal is here. Yeah. And I will say we have an episode that I did with Gene Demby that touches on both this series and also the documentary BS High, which you and I have also talked about, Ronald. Yes. Oh, my God. So you can also find that discussion in the feed. So as you can tell... 
We are into telemarketers. Thank you very much, Ronald. Kristen, what is making you happy this week? All right. So just up front, I will say this. I have always enjoyed reading celebrity memoirs. My Nana and I used to read them together. I love hearing the celebrities spill the trash and uh, ideally, you know, name some names and so on. But my love of celebrity memoirs has kicked into overdrive over the past year, and I have now read over 50 of them in the last 50 weeks. I like to listen to the audio versions of these memoirs while I walk. These celebrities who are telling their own stories in their own voices, sometimes they'll break into song like Dolly Parton. Sometimes they'll start crying like Jessica Simpson. Uh, they get very raw as they tell their stories. Sometimes they just deliver it with the greatest gravitas. Like Viola Davis, I feel like I am like at Shakespeare in the park and she is, I mean, she's just, her delivery is unbelievable. So I just want to give a shout out to the podcast Celebrity Book Club with Chelsea Devantas because she is part of the reason why I just went hardcore into celebrity memoirs. Chelsea is a comedian. She works in TV. Uh, she's a great storyteller. And on her show, for the most part, she only discusses memoirs written by women. And she does it with such great compassion and such great humor. I laugh at every episode, but I also feel, you know, all the feels when I listen to her. And thanks to her, I, I don't know if I would have read all of these memoirs without her. I'm talking just recently, Paris Hilton, Viola Davis, Cecily Tyson, Pamela Anderson, Molly Shannon. So again, her show is called Celebrity Book Club with Chelsea Devantas. And then also all those memoirs I just mentioned. Excellent. Check those out too. Fabulous. I love it. That's very inspiring. What is making me happy this week is a book by Alyssa Sussman called Once More with Feeling. Alyssa wrote a romance previously that I talked about that I really liked called Funny You Should Ask. And this book, Once More with Feeling, has some similar elements. It also has this kind of dual timeline. It's about a woman who was a pop star when she was young, and she was dating a guy in a boy band, but she had a thing for a different guy in the boy band. And the scandal was that she cheated on her boyfriend with this other guy, Cal, who was the guy she really liked. I think that Alyssa's books come at these kinds of stories with a wisdom, which is, of course, this scandal was very bad for her and didn't hurt him, even though people knew that he was the guy she cheated with. So she, of course, carries a lot of resentment about that. So anyway, they meet up much later because he is now going to direct a Broadway show. And both of them are people who dearly love musical theater. It's really a book for, like, musical theater nerds. It has tons and tons and tons of little Easter eggs. I just found it to be delightful. She has a really good sense of a book being fun, but also a book feeling like it has some heft. So again, this book is called Once More with Feeling by Alyssa Sussman. And the other book is Funny You Should Ask. I like both very much. And that is what is making me happy this week. If you want links for what we recommended, plus some additional recommendations, sign up for our newsletter. That's at npr.org slash pop culture newsletter. Another reminder that Ronald's podcast, Wait For It, just started coming out. That brings us to the end of our show. Ronald Young Jr., Kristen Meinzer, thanks so much for being here. Great to be here. Thank you. This episode was produced by Liz Metzger and edited by Mike Katzif. Our supervising producer is Jessica Reedy, and Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all next week.
This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. If you're looking for a new way to support this show and public media, please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free listening and bonus episodes from NPR shows like this one. You can find out more at plus.npr.org.